I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Welcome to Target Field, and welcome to another episode of the Touch Em All podcast, where Derek Wetmore and I are tucked away in some back closet of the press box, because you've got people swarming all over the stadium right now in every crevice for Bartolo Cologne Day, right. baby. They can't wait to get their hands on one of those specialty drinks they've got tonight at Target Field. Actually, yeah, we're the not... The big sexy. Yes, we're not going to spend a ton of time on Bartolo Cologne Day. In fact, we'll probably just spend like 30 seconds. You can listen to the previous episode in this Touch em All feed for a full breakdown of what we think of Bartolo Cologne and what it means for the Twins. But they do have a big sexy drink. In fact, let me pull out the picture here. It was like Malibu rum. It's a specialty drink only, and I think yeah. it's only in the Legends Club. It is Malibu rum, Myers rum... What appears to be orange juice and some grenadine. So I don't know if that's like a sex on the beach or whatever it is, but it's it's an ode to the sexiest pitcher in baseball, Bartolo Colon. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. We're recording this episode just before Cologne makes a start against the Yankees, so you probably already know how it went, dear listener. But I kind of wanted to focus on the trade deadline, Phil. Yes. Because I can't get enough of it. Maybe it's just because we've had a lot of bad baseball around here. And, you know, and even the season that I spent in Baltimore covering the Orioles, it like it, it wasn't that exciting. They got like Bud Norris and uh, uh, some other nondescript fifth starter, Scott Feldman. They may have pitcher. traded Jake Arrieta in that time period, if I remember right, when you covered the Orioles a few years ago. The and big thing is the that they traded LJ Hose and everybody was really mad that they traded the future superstar at the time. So that kind of helped me realize that sometimes we don't know well um, let's start with this buster only anecdote i'm getting this just a paraphrased version from mlbtraderumors.com i'm going to read this and then let's just react and kind of go from there because as we sit here and we'll keep this kind of macro because i know people are going to be listening at different times throughout the week there's about two weeks to go until the trade deadline yeah. and and the twins have to make decisions they have to make a decision how close are they to cleveland not just in games behind but in terms of what they project to be the case over the next two Don't months. Don't forget Kansas City, too. It's kind sure. of made this thing ultra-complex. Uh, Detroit just traded J.D. Martinez, and they're probably going to trade Verlander, so I'd rule them out. But Buster only, I'm going to read this from MLB Trade Rumors. The Twins have let other clubs know that while they plan to be buyers at the deadline, they'll act in a measured sense and won't gut the upper echelon of their farm system in order to land a significant name. Minnesota has previously been linked to bullpen and rotation help, and while GM Thad Levine has outwardly suggested that the team will at least consider pursuing controllable assets this July, he said that on our radio show actually two weeks ago. Um, that's a just a shameless plug yeah, right there. Yeah, how about that? Uh, Olney's column casts some doubt on how strongly the Twins will be in the mix for the top names available, for example, Sonny Gray. Yeah. So, well, if you want, you want the Olney quote here quick? Sure, fire I had away. The, yeah. We posted the column to 1500ESPN.com, too. I know you'd rather visit MLB Trade Rumors, but that's cool. Anytime I can go away from your columns, I try to. Yes. Here's Buster's quote. Uh, and it was a short little blurb as part of a much longer column, as uh, Buster the Goat is wont to do. He says, quote, uh, They won't rip up major parts of their farm system to trade for big names, but they would like to add some help in their pursuit of a wild card spot, end quote. 
So Cologne fits that category. I think rent-to-pitchers like Pat Neshek, who's 35 years old and is a free agent after the year, you're not going to have to give up Nick Gordon for a Pat Neshek-type prospect. But, you know, this is a great time for the Twins, instead of everyone asking what's the front office going to do, how does the front office view this team, and you and I have been posing all those questions, this is a great stretch of two weeks for the Twins on the field themselves to prove one way or the other do they belong in the American League race or not? Right. Do they belong as American League contenders with the Houston Astros, with the New York Yankees, and uh, even if you look across the, the National League at the L.A. Dodgers? The Twins, even after beating the Yankees in the first game of this three-game series, are now 12-22 and 22 against the best teams in the American League. Mm-hmm. And if you throw in the series against the Rockies, which are one of the, that's one of the best teams in the National League, and they went 1-2 uh, and two in that series— they're 13 and 24 against the best teams on the schedule. Yeah. So if if the goal of any personnel move is to win a World Series, which means Falvey and Levine are going to be sizing up every top team in the league compared to what the Twins are. Um I mean, I just just to be objective, Falvey and Levine just saw Twins versus Astros. Yep. Second best starter and future franchise starter get bounced after five outs right. now i know that not all of it was his fault but but he gets bounced after five outs and if you're just trying to size up how much do we want to pump into this team for a chance to beat that team over there right uh, that didn't score well for them they see the yankees in town and even though the twins beat the yankees in game one of the series there's a 160 run gap between the yeah. yankees plus minus and the twins plus it's incredible minus. so and then i mentioned this on our facebook live chat earlier uh, there are eight starting pitchers on this roster not named Jose Barrios and Irvin Santana. None of those eight, in my estimation, would crack the starting five rotation for any of the top teams we're talking about here. For the Astros, not even for the Cubs at this point. So, I mean, there's a few that just aren't major league pitchers to begin with mm-hmm. of those eight starters. So, despite all of those things, Cleveland hasn't run away with the division. You're sitting in wild card position. You're a game and a half back as we record this in your own division. So, if you can hold steady against... The Yankees, the Dodgers next week. Yeah, it would go a long way in the next two weeks leading up to the deadline, proving to Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, hey, maybe you don't have to trade Nick Gordon for a rent a starter, but we're in this thing and we're getting better and we're proving that we can hang with some of the best teams in baseball. The record right now doesn't indicate that twelve and twenty two against those teams. Counterpoint, because I'm on board with everything that you're saying, and I I hear. Thad Levine make these public comments, and I hear Derek Falvey talk in a very measured way where he's not going to tip his hand and he's not going to say something to upset anybody because he's kind of a CEO politician in his role, and and that makes perfect sense to me. I'm not upset by it. But I could see why Twins fans who are invested in this thing and are spending a lot of money to come to the ballpark are upset that you would invest in this. I can see why a a veteran in the Twins clubhouse, whether you're – Brandon Kinsler or Brian Dozier, or even if you're Miguel Sano, putting up a monster season and you hear your GM say, eh, we're okay, we're fine, but we don't think we're one piece away, so we're not going to go, quote, all in to fix this team. We, we don't think that it's a championship-caliber club is basically the subtext of what sure. Chad Levine has said. Now, that could irk you if you're a player, if you're a fan. I get it, personally. I understand why they would say that. But the counterpoint is this is uh, one of those rare instances where I'd argue you don't need to be World Series caliber 
to make it worthwhile in investing in a playoff push. I, I turned to the Indians last year, who, granted, were a better team. But I went into the postseason thinking, well, the Red Sox are going to take care of business of the Indians, and then what happens in the American League championship round? Let's just see. Well, the Indians swept the Red Sox. They they win their way to the World Series, and it was uh, two fun, compelling series. I don't think I would have picked them as the World Series team going into that, given the starting pitching injuries they had. Now, like I said, probably a better roster. I'm not expecting that the Twins are going to be in that spot. But if you're Derek Falvey, you very recently witnessed what can happen just getting there, let alone having a World Series caliber team. So, sure. so I think we have to separate out a little bit the point of they're not as good as the Astros. Right, I agree. Nobody's as good as the Astros. They're not as good as the Dodgers. Right, I agree. Nobody in the National League is as good as the Dodgers. They're not in the echelon of the Yankees. That's true. The Yankees are a better team. You could make the argument that Cleveland and Kansas City are a better team right now, and I'd hear you out. But for the Twins to be sort of in that mix as a second tier, like go into the playoffs but not World Series favorites, I don't think Thad Levine and Derek Falvey should dismiss that just because they're not quite as good as some of those other clubs. So let me throw a couple names at you here, and I don't think these are coming from, I don't think these are being reported. I've seen some speculation from uh, various Twins blogs and people on Twitter, and, they, and these names make some sense. Teams that are in last place or near the bottom of the standings and maybe looking to to just uh, cash in while the value is still in existence. I'm going to throw a couple names at you just for fun here that we've seen tweeted at us and thrown about. Brad Brock, right-handed reliever, 31 years old, was actually an all-star for Baltimore last year. And he currently owns over the past, let's see here, I'm going to go back to the last three seasons just for fun. He's been durable. Uh, he's a 79-inning guy the last two years. He's on pace for about that this season. 2.45 earned run average the last two years, a 3.26 FIP, 1.07 WHIP, 10 strikeouts per nine innings. And he also has 16 saves in uh, place of the injured Zach Britton mm-hmm. for the Orioles this season. Not a free agent until 2019. So you'd have a right. year and a half of Brad Brock, maybe as your eighth inning guy right there with Brandon Kinsler. Yeah. Thoughts? Like I don't it. think you're giving up Nick Gordon to get Brad Brock. No, but I like the idea of getting a back-end bullpen arm because I've seen people, uh, you know, somebody asked about Edinson Volquez as a starting pitcher. Sure, or, throw him out there or, too. Or guys like, you know... That are, uh, they're, you know, uh, that's okay. That's a, that's a fine bullpen armor. That's a fine, like, fourth, fifth starter kind of guy. If I'm the Twins, I'm not trading for that. I don't want to give you a prospect with some future value for somebody who might make the team better. You could I also want... sign guys like Edinson Volquez sure. in the offseason. I mean, that's just, he's not a needle moving guy. No, not. Although he would be instantly your third best starting pitcher, I right. think, even in, sure. in an older age and coming over from the National League. So. Yeah. I mean, it, Volquez is, I mean, not to specifically single him out, but just generally speaking, uh, pitcher, if you're going to deal for a pitcher, I think priority 1A should be starting pitcher if cost was all all equal, but cost is not all equal. So I think if you're looking for a cheaper way to upgrade the team, it's in the bullpen. And I think that there's a really drastic impact that adding an eighth or a ninth inning guy can have on the bullpen overall. The Twins have two good relievers, two guys you trust. Brandon Kinsler and Taylor Rogers have been fantastic this year. But if they're pitching on the Yankees, like just pretend you trade into the Yankees both. Oh, yeah. At, where are they pitching in the American League Division Series, right? Like, yeah, they're they pitching might, in the sixth and seventh innings. Yeah, they might come in if a starter falters. Although Kinsler would come in, I think, in the eighth or ninth. If you have, to, if it's tie game, two guys on, you need a ground ball. Brandon Kinsler is an elite ground ball pitcher. But 
And but like, yes, I'm with you. I'm not even arguing with you. Okay. I'm just saying, right. like, I'm, I mean, it's more semantics. Yes, right, for and, sure. a, and a good bullpen. But I, the, the point is that, like, if you put somebody in the eighth inning, suddenly this bullpen goes from, like, woof, I am scared to use them if I have to, to, hey, all right, you got three guys you trust. Right. If you've got a lead late, you're in good shape because now suddenly, you know, Tyler Duffy's a sixth inning guy. Or, you know, who else is coming in? I really like what we've seen so far this year from Trevor Hildenberger and Alan Buznitz. Suddenly, those are fourth, fifth, sixth inning guys instead of we need two big outs here in the eighth inning against a playoff team. The composure, uh, the composition of the bullpen matters a great deal. And if you add somebody at the back end, whether it's Brad Brock or just somebody of his ilk, I mentioned Brad Hand in a column, and I get it. Huge pipe dream. Never going to happen. You're not trading the top prospect or two for a guy like Brad Hand. I get it. And he's got multiple years of team control, I think right? It's, through, I, through 2019, maybe. I think it's this year and two years after that, yeah. which you know makes the Marlins releasing him look even worse. But it, you're going to pay top dollar for a guy like that. If you're the Padres, you can start a bidding war. If you're the Twins, I don't think you want to get into a bidding war, but I do think you want to upgrade the bullpen in a non-trivial way. Go get an eighth or a ninth inning guy. So, okay, a couple more names here. Let's, let's stick to bullpen because sure. I just don't think... The starting pitcher names that move the needle, unless I'm missing somebody, are are multiple-year team control guys that you're going to have to give up legit prospects for. Your, Nick Gordon will be in the conversation if the A's are on the phone about Sonny Gray. If you're, if you're talking to the Pirates about two and a half years of Garrett Cole... Or the Rays are the Rays are not selling off on on uh, the Rays are six games over five hundred right now. They Chris might Archer. win that division. So yeah. Chris Archer's not going anywhere. It but. wouldn't necessarily be against the Rays' mo though to yeah. be six games above five hundred so and sell. I, so I think realistically, you can you can take some of those top starting pitcher names off the board. And so let's go back to bullpen. I have two more names for you here, and these were thrown out by MLB trade rumors. So Pat Neshek is now thirty five years. I'm sorry, thirty six, about to be thirty seven in like a month and a half has a 1.21 earned run average and was an all-star for Philadelphia and a 2.09 fielding independent pitching. Over the past five or six years, he's legit been one of the better non-closer relievers in baseball. Yeah. Well, I like the idea. In fact, I included him in a column about players the Twins should be looking at a couple of weeks ago. But it doesn't mesh with the public stance that the Twins are looking for team control. Thad Levine and Derek Falvey have both said that we want guys that will be here for 2018 and beyond. We'd love it if they help this club. But it's almost like, you know, I'm reading between the lines. They haven't said this. I'm, I'm sort of just subjecting my own opinion into this. But it's almost like upgrading the future is a higher priority than upgrading the present. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that they basically have said if we don't have team control, we're not interested in that guy. Sure. It, I'm just to curious. me, it's all relative. If Sure. If you don't have to give up one of your ten best prospects to get Pat Neshek, if you're just giving up someone that you could that you could easily draft, now yeah. I'm not, am I going to give up Rooker, who just was elevated to high A Fort Myers after hitting seven bombs in the Appy League over the course of like like two and a half games, basically? Probably not. Uh, no, but would I give up? You know, would I give? I, I don't know. I'm not going to throw a specific name out, but if I don't think I would just be focused on right. pitchers who. I, if I can give up something outside of my top 10 prospect for something that might really help me win this season, I'm interested personally. I understand that the Twins aren't. Here's another name, though, because you mentioned multiple years of team control. Marlins closer A.J. Ramos is 30 years old. He hasn't been quite as good this season, but the past couple of years, we're talking 2.11 ERA in 2014, 2.30 ERA. We're talking strikeout rates of 11 strikeouts per nine innings. 
and a guy who throws 93 miles an hour with really good off-speed stuff and a really good slider under team control through next season. Now, mm-hmm. you'd have to pay the saves tax. Yep, for sure. As antiquated as that measurement is, I still think there's either a saves or ace reliever tax that you'd have to pay. So in order to get a year and a half of A.J. Ramos, who might even slot in as your closer, it just kind of depends on... Although Brandon Kinsler was an all-star closer, too, so the Twins might not just bump him. Um You'd have to give up something of substance for A.J. Ramos. It wouldn't just be a rent-a-pitcher down the stretch, and he's in the middle yeah. of his prime. This is a top-ten prospect, probably. Yeah. You know? and, and then maybe another piece to the deal. You're not giving up Gonsalves or Romero or Nick Gordon for him. But if you're the fish, you're asking for it. Or Royce Lewis. You're not giving up him. You're asking those guys. Though. I mean, maybe not Royce. Like You, don't, you don't, wouldn't expect the Twins to trade their number one overall pick a month and a half after they drafted him. Yeah. But if you're Miami... You're coming to the table and saying, hey, A.J. Ramos, how about another reliever on their team? David Phelps. Sure. You're saying, okay, we're sellers. Who's going to bid? Who wants to bid on a guy with closing experience? Now, the Yankees don't want A.J. Ramos to be their ninth inning guy. He's probably their seventh inning guy if they get him. I love Batances. I love Chapman. Yeah, but you can, you know, and Batances is walking everyone this season. Yeah, so Batances, not quite as reliable, but Ramos issues a lot of walks as well. So, But I you just, could easily, if you're the Marlins, you could, look, you could even just look at last year and say, right. hey, he might not be Andrew Miller, but look what the Cubs and the Indians got right. when Andrew Miller and Araldis Chapman Join their bullpen. Yeah. So it do you want skyrocketed them to the World Series in Game Seven? And we haven't talked a lot about this because it worked for both teams. I think in both cases, but we might be talking in five years about wow. Can you believe the Indians gave up these two players for Andrew Miller? Can you believe the Yankees? You know, it's like the Yankees got a steal for Chapman when they didn't need him, and then he goes to the World Series kind of bristles with the manager, and re-signs back with the Yankees. And you know what? If you're This is the other thing, too. In baseball, if you're good at drafting and signing international free agents and developing your, you know, especially your top 10 rounds worth of players, it doesn't hurt quite as much to trade from your cupboard of top 10 prospects. You know, there's been years past where it just felt like because the Twins were so bad at developing prospects Mm -hmm. that if if if, if, if you had one that looked like he was about to burst, like a Miguel Sano or a Jose Barrios... They were that much more valuable because sure. how long would it take to get another one of those guys? But, yeah. you know, the Yankees have done a great job pumping out prospects, and the Cubs have certainly done a good job. So when they reach in the Indians, when they reach into their cupboards, and the Twins from 15 years ago, and they, and they deal the eighth best prospect in their system or the fourth best prospect, it's not like, oh, no, this is going to hurt. They think, oh, well, that's cool. We'll just, we have a first round pick next right. year yeah. and a second round pick. Oh, we didn't we'll know just where go he get was... another guy like that and we'll be fine. I didn't know where he was going to play in the big leagues anyway, <laughs> so here you go. Right. It's incredible to have that luxury. The Twins don't, in my perspective, they don't really have that luxury right now. They have a good farm system. I don't think they have a great farm system anymore. You just look at some of the young players that have sort of surfaced lately and you know, that hurts your rankings. You have a Max Kepler, a Jorge Polanco, Miguel Sano, Jose Boreos, Byron Buxton in the big leagues. It's kind of like... Well, all right. I mean, there's those would have been five of your top five prospects, and now they're in, uh, on the Twins. So the Twins don't exactly have this embarrassment of – what's the term? Embarrassment of riches? They don't really have this huge position of strength, in my personal opinion, to deal and go get either a rental guy or a guy like, let's say, A.J. Ramos, who has another arbitration year coming up. They don't have, like, this sort of assets that the Dodgers, for example, would have – but I think that they have enough that they could get something done if they wanted to. Um, Ramos, to me, and Phelps, kind of both in the same conversation. 
uh, at the time I wrote a column is maybe a week or two ago. After Thad said, we don't want rental players, I said, all right, here's a column, 13 non-rental players. And Ramos and Phelps were both on that list, and they're kind of just like, eh, I mean, good pitchers. They'd be the they, second best reliever. Honestly, in the they'd be bullpen. huge upgrades on in, on for sure on this particular. I kind of just like I think I'm tainted a little bit by, you know, the Indians go out and get Andrew Miller, and that's a world changer. The Cubs go get Chapman. I understand that but that the, sort of trade's not available to the Twins, and they're not at the same spot of their winning cycle, but. You th- you think like man, what an instant injection of life into the bullpen that was, and this is a step down from that. Right, I, but I would say you're you're right about that. The Indians were playing for a World Series right. championship it's move, different. and so Andrew Miller to the Indians at that time to boost them to World Series caliber maybe is if you're if you're going down a couple pegs and you're trying to you know make the comparison to the Twins, maybe it's not AJ Ramos or Pat Neshek changing. Their World Series prospects, but sure. maybe he helps you close out yeah. a couple close games because you're going to have to win close games as you have been and continue doing that in the second half. Yeah, maybe he, maybe maybe an AJ Ramos prevents two or three blowups from happening, and that gets you to 85 wins, right. which gets you into a coin flip game, something there you like go. that. Um, I do have a question to get to to pose regarding teams that you might be trading with in the American League, but I want to shout out my friends at Luther Brookdale Toyota right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard here in the Twin Cities. And I'll tell you, you know, there's a re- my family and I have been driving by dealerships around the Twin Cities. There's dozens and dozens of them for a number of years, but there's a reason why we keep going back to the same place. It's the people, it's the service, it's the durability of Toyotas, and in particularly, it's the service department that, for instance, helped keep a 1992 Camry in my family for 20-plus years and 280,000 miles. You just get better service and better care at Luther Brookdale Toyota than you will at any other dealership or service department. So uh, my family's been going to the same place for 30-plus years. I've been half my life since I was 16 years old taking vehicles to Luther Brookdale Toyota, buying, leasing, getting serviced, you name it, trading in. Stop by on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard in the Twin Cities. So we actually, one of our loyal listeners to the Mackie and Judd show and to uh, the Touch Em All podcast, Michael, sent a great question in about Major League Baseball front offices in 2017 and how many of them are actually easily dupable, given how much information is available, given how many smart executives yeah. make up these front offices. The you dupability know. of each front office? Yes. As the, it were? The, when, you're, when you're in a fantasy football or baseball league, yes. there's always that... That that owner at the bottom of the standings, or that hopeful guy right. who maybe has a bunch of hot players and doesn't doesn't see what's coming, and you can always fleece that guy for trades. In fact, I had a, there was a guy I'm in a fantasy baseball league that I've been in for like 16 years, and there's really no one at this point. Who was it? Uh, was it Scooter Jeanette who yeah. hit four home runs in one game mm-hmm. a couple months ago? And the week after that, the owner for Scooter Jeanette posts a message on the message board saying, "Hey." Scooter Jeanette's available yeah. via trade. <laughs> yeah. He's super hot right now. Yeah, Crickets the next day. Hey, why doesn't why doesn't anyone want Scooter Jeanette? Well, because people have access to information now. Yeah. And you can go to Fangraphs and see how fluky one's performance is. And and the question was, how many incompetent front offices are even really left in baseball? And I get that it's a bell curve, so there's always going to be the five worst front offices. They just might be smarter now than they were ten or twenty years ago. But when we talk about Irvin Santana, it's not like the Twins 
are the only team in baseball that know how vastly he's outperforming his peripherals. It's not like the Twins are sitting here on this crazy, uh, this this amazing, valuable piece that they have to sell off in two weeks, or the other teams are going to find out that it's actually a pumpkin after two weeks. Every team can look at an Irvin Santana. Every team can do their homework, scouting or statistical. And I just look up and down. Even the teams at the bottom of the standings right now, are they fleeceable? The Oakland A's, no. Billy Bean is Billy Bean is still a very good executive in baseball. He just doesn't have resources. So the A's are constantly sort of spinning their tires and trying to catch fire and lightning in a bottle. The Chicago White Sox, bottom of the standings. Well, they just went from maybe worst farm system in baseball 12 months ago to potentially a top five farm system as we sit here today, and they've expedited their uh, their rebirth. Even the Atlanta Braves and the San Diego Padres have made strange moves at times over the past couple of years, but yeah. but I wouldn't say they're easily fleeceable in that sense. So it's just it's harder whether you're the Twins trying to trade Irvin Santana or whether you're just looking to get one of those Francisco Liriano Joe Nathan trades that Terry Ryan pulled off a decade and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It's hard in baseball today. It really is, and especially if you put the this sort of ties into the same conversation. Some people say don't trade within the division. And I think if you're the Twins, like that's kind of I don't know if you agree with me or disagree with me on this, but like I think if you're going into a trade and saying ultimately what do we want to do here? We're both trying to beat the other team, but just like in business, you'd say we'd both be better off if we can both improve our club. Like help me help you. Oh, you need a shortstop prospect? Oh, interesting. We've got one of those. Uh, and I'm maybe not talking about Nick Gordon. Hey, you like Jorge Polanco? I'm not saying I'm done with Jorge Polanco, but these last few weeks have been discouraging. Yeah. It would be nice if they could send him down and, oh, right. wait, they burned they options when option. he was in Fort Myers three years ago. But if they have something that says, uh, you, Major League team, think he's definitely an everyday shortstop and you just need to fix the hitch in his throw or something like you know weird like that. We always used to joke about Don Cooper. Oh, he'll just fix it. Yeah, Don Cooper saw some things in Francisco Liriano's delivery. He was going to fix him. No. Yep. Actually, right. the Pirates fixed him the next year, though. They did fix him. The way that I look at it is most teams can't – you can't pull a fast one on them. Like the way that – you know, the A.J. Pruszynski trade I brought up when some, somebody was asking about that. I Actually, I think it was Michael who emailed in. And, uh, like, trading A.J. Pruszynski for Joe Nathan, Francisco Liriano, and Booth Bonzer is a fleecing. You fleeced Brian Sabian, who, by the way, turned out to be a pretty good GM. Yeah. It happens. Like pretty soon after won three World right. Series. Fleecings just happen. But you don't see them very much in baseball anymore. You don't see the Mark Tashira trade where you sell you know, your top prospects down the river and say, ah, oh, maybe those guys will pan out, maybe they won't. And, oh, they turn out to be the foundational core of a World Series caliber team. Those sort of trades are pretty much non-existent in baseball anymore. Because a lot of teams are good at valuing their prospects, they're good at valuing the future of players under contract. Um, I don't, and and if you're gonna say, well, I'm not trading for a David Robertson because he's in the division, I think that's kind of a loser's attitude. You're like you're expecting to get beat on the trade. No, why don't you give them some value, make them feel good about what they got back, and make the most out of your return, what you got back for it. That's just one example. David Robertson is not necessarily the top name that I'd target if I was the Twins. But, like, the Jose Quintana trade, before the Cubs pulled it off, I kind of I, I didn't think the Twins were going to go get an ace. But I don't like the narrative or the line of thinking from either fans or media is guilty of this too. 
Well, but, well, but 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 that would never happen. There, it's in the division. Well, let's stay on that trade for a second. So the Jose Quintana trade—that's yeah. a really interesting one. He goes to the Cubs for four prospects, including, according to Baseball America, the Cubs' top pitching and hitting prospects. But both had not yet reached Double A. So we're talking about twenty-year-old kids who had not yet reached Double A. The Twins' top hitting and pitching prospects, according to Baseball America, would be Nick Gordon and let's just—it's a coin flip. Let's say Stephen Gonsalves. Both are performing very well at Double A. Mm-hmm. So not only have they reached Double A, but they're they're mashing Double A, and they should probably be in line in the second half of the season for a call up to Triple A. Would you give up Nick Gordon and Stephen Gonsalves for three or four years of Jose Quintana, or maybe it would be something a little less than that, just because your your top two prospects are further on the development uh, line? I don't know if I would. And Jose Quintana is a very good pitcher. Not on this team, I wouldn't. I am waiting because as much as I like Quintana, there's another Jose Quintana. There's always there's always one ace that a bad team's willing to trade. And at he's some more point. like a number two, number three guy in a good rotation. Yeah, he's I a good solid starting. Yeah, pitcher. I really like him. Um, you know, Chris Archer might be available in a couple of years, or you know, Sonny Gray will probably get dealt at this trade deadline. I would guess. I'm not saying that the Twins needed to swing for the fences to help this club because. I tend to agree with Thad Levine's assessment that they're not just one piece away from being a championship team. But I do think that you could make some moves on the edges, and if it's for a reliever and he's within the division, don't get scared off by that. Don't be afraid by the fact that, well, we got to play those guys 19 times. Yeah, so go win the trade, you know, is how I think about it. And I, my my 30,000-foot view is this team is good enough to be worth adding to. It's got its flaws, but it's in position, and the Indians and Royals ain't running away with this thing. It's good enough to add to. It's not good enough to take out a second mortgage and bet it on the stock market and hope that the stock goes up in the next two months and then sell at a profit. Mm-hmm. That's it, It's far too risky. Now, if you're the Cubs last year, that's what I'd do because you're right there. And if you don't cash in and get an Aroldis Chapman – Maybe you don't make a World Series run. Maybe you don't win it. That's a very different position than the 2017 Twins are in. But that doesn't mean I don't think that they should add something. I think that there's something to add to this team, and they're potentially a postseason team with it. Well, maybe what we should do then is let's pause this discussion because there's going to be a lot more to be gleaned even just in the next week until we reconvene for yeah. some more touch em all trade speculation. They get a couple more games against... The Yankees at home, they should win a couple games if they want to be contenders and they want to buy at the deadline. They should beat the Tigers without J.D. Martinez a couple times. And maybe the Tigers even trade Justin Verlander by then, too. Yeah. And then let's see how you do three games in Los Angeles against the best team in baseball, the best team in the National League, for sure, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. And then we can kind of... Let's see what what the twin stock market does in the next week. Yeah. And maybe you can even make more... Uh, accurate assumptions about what should or shouldn't happen sure. in a week from now. And I don't know if these players are going to be moved, and I'll save this for next week just in case they are moved, but I've got some sort of under-the-radar names, uh, both in the rotation and in the bullpen, that if the Twins wanted a target from bad teams who should be selling, they could add them to the bullpen, and it really would help the back end. Is that a week-away tease that you just threw out there? You bet your boots it's a week-away tease.